Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, Big Ten Media Day with Kevin Warren, the Big Ten Commissioner, doing a lot of talking today. Uh, this is a figure who is a controversial figure, even within his own conference, office politics, uh, the fact that he got the job without even setting foot into the Big Ten offices in Chicago, the fact that Jim Delaney, who was viewed as sort of a down-home, connected to the athletic director's leader, uh, has been replaced by somebody who operates uh, more as a corporate figurehead. Kevin Warren, certainly a controversial figure. Here to talk about him, Daniel Libet, Sportico. He wrote a fantastic piece. I tweeted it out during the commercial break. Give it a read if you get an opportunity, but Libet's here to talk about uh, Kevin Warren. Thanks for making time for us, Daniel. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Give me an idea of, you know, why Kevin Warren, where does this cross your radar? And, you know, at what point do you go, hey, this is a story I need to look into? Yeah, I got tipped about 10 months ago um, when the narrative of the Big Ten was in a much different place. uh, That for all of the public controversies and drama that had surrounded uh, Kevin Warren and the Big Ten, as it relates to the decision to pause football back in 2020 um, and the lawsuit from the Nebraska players and the meetings, the phone call he had with Donald Trump uh, and all that stuff. For all of that drama and spotlight, there was a whole other um, drama brewing uh, under the radar in the offices of the Big Ten as Kevin Warren tried to sort of put his stamp on the organization. And so at that point, it seemed like the story was trying to explain uh, both the inside-outside of the predicament that he was in. Fast forward 10 months later, the public narrative is obviously diametrically different, uh, thanks in no small part to USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Um, And the fact that the Big Ten is on the precipice of signing this massive, unprecedented uh, conference multimedia rights deal. So the news is all good and it seems as if he has had this um incredibly quick reputational turnaround from being the guy who everybody was saying didn't belong in the job to being the person in the seat when some of the best things that that have happened to the big 10 in recent history um are all happening uh but that didn't change the nature of what was going on behind the scenes a lot of the issues uh with his staff with his efforts to sort of as he saw it um, disarm landmines and really professionalize the conference. He'd come in not with a college sports background and kind of looked at the Big Ten as living in the past in a lot of things from a organizational level. It didn't have an HR head. It didn't have an in-house counsel. Uh, it didn't have certain policies, workplace policies. Or there were people who, a number of people who weren't even on employment contracts who were full-time employees. So it seemed as if you know Jim Delaney, who was is regarded as this Bengali-like figure um, for all of that, all he did 
in terms of the uh, the creation of the Big Ten Network and, and the expansion of the conference over his three decades didn't really tend to the minutia, per se, and that Warren thought that this was essential. You know, this is a business. This is going to soon be a billion-dollar-plus business, and that the organization ought to behave like this and thought that, you know, um, very concerned about the security of the conference, the reputation of the conference, and the fact that this could get undermined in any number of different ways. And so I really explored his efforts over the last three years while all of the stuff was going on publicly that he was fending off, um, his efforts to try to shore up the conference internally, and they have not gone smoothly, so to, uh, to, to put it charitably. Yeah, and I'm looking at, you know, his tenure. It, it was just a year ago where I was hearing – you know, a lot of squawking and squabbling from coaches who are saying, you know, I'm not sure about this guy, media members who are saying that. It, and in reading your piece, what I gather is it wasn't just external. There was a whole bunch of in, internal strife that was happening, and Warren was at the center of it. Yeah, and again, it, it's all kind of coming from the same direction. There was, you know, the conference, the athletic directors in the Big Ten, certainly the people who worked in the office. And we're not talking about a lot of people. We're talking about maybe 60-some people who work in the Big Ten. Um, Or, you know, these were people who had college sports experience, Big Ten experience, had grown accustomed to a certain way of of doing things. And, uh, you know, Warren, for for some just terrible luck early on, um, compounding the fact that he didn't have this, this kind of prototypical background of a college commissioner, um, at least the college commissioner at that time, uh, was then, you know, hit with the worst thing that happened to the country and, and, and co- certainly college sports in, uh, in, in recent memory and had to sort of navigate that while also having all of his moves uh, scrutinized through the lens that this was a guy who didn't know how to turn, really turn the gears in intercollegiate athletics. And, yeah, he had missteps. I mean, you know, his, his decision to pause um, the the, uh, the season, the fall sports season, uh, going into 2020-2021 um, does not look good in retrospect. I mean, it was sort of salvaged by the fact that things returned, but his rationale for canceling uh, play uh, doesn't square within his decision to resume it two months later. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he gained a lot of enemies. People who were already wary of him um, became that much more wary. And and what I, you know, the question was, what does, what did Jim Delaney really leave behind him, leave behind for his uh, successor? In one way, Jim Delaney, the, the you know, longtime Big Ten commissioner, um, left something tremendous. He left his successor the opportunity to sign this massive multimedia rights deal so long as the successor could stay in the job for three and a half years. On the other hand, he, you know, there were certainly things in the organization that one could say um, had had been untended or had not been paid a lot of attention to, and and that was also for Warren to deal with. The, you know, three, two months, three months before Warren takes the job in January of 2020, um, this is a scene I, I sort of describe in detail in the piece. The Big Ten goes on lockdown, and cop cars flood the parking lot because a staffer. Um, a Big Ten staffer, who uh, we declined to name in the story, um, had alerted the building manager that her uh, now ex-husband was going to come and cause a disturbance. 
This seems like a personal issue that shouldn't spill over into the Big Ten. But this became a ongoing saga that routinely consumed Warren over the next two years. The staffer, several months later, was arrested um, and, and charged, but ultimately acquitted of, of domestic violence against her ex-husband. Um, and then in the course of their divorce proceedings, the ex-husband uh, subpoenas the Big Ten and subpoenas Kevin Warren for all kinds of records records that really got to the heart of the que- the concerns that Warren already had about the conference, which was that there were things that were sort of sliding under the radar that needed to be paid better attention to, workplace policies. The Big Ten is a not-for-profit, though it doesn't necessarily behave like that uh, in all ways. Um, and so, you know, this was a huge consuming thing that was going on behind the scenes while all of the things that we know were going on uh, uh, publicly, that was one of it. One of the examples. So um, he was dealing with that. He was trying to implement things. He thought it was extremely important in this current environment for the Big Ten to to have a in-house general counsel. It was the only Power Five conference that did not have a top lawyer on its staff, and he thought that it was essential. One of the most essential things for him to do was to fulfill this position. But over the last three years, Warren has hired three separate general counsels, and there's been a lot of intra-staff strife, you know, involving uh, at least two of the uh, of, of the in-house counsels um, who both left rather quickly after taking the job. Um, and then finally, you know, he wanted to he wanted to create a human resources infrastructure. Again, these are the kinds of things that people don't generally think about at the level of the conference. The conference is supposed to just be this pass through. They get the money, hand it off to the schools, do some organizational things. But, you know, the, the thought of a conference really behaving like its own entity is a, re- is a relatively novel concept um, of, of the last couple of years. Well, so he wanted to implement an HR system in the Big Ten. And, and that went wayward as well. The person who he hired was not soon long after his hiring accused by multiple women in the conference of, uh, of uh, sexual discrimination in the workplace. That staffer was cleared by an internal investigation. Um, but again, there was all these things that he was trying to do to shore up the Big Ten, and they were running into one hiccup after another. And this, this really went on all the way through the, into the beginning of this year. This, this was a dynamic that was in place, a lot of tension and recriminations uh, that came from, from all of these various uh, you know, hiccups. Daniel Libet is with us, Sportico. Great piece on Kevin Warren today. I, I saw in your piece one of the first things he did was put up a fence, a wrought iron fence around the employee parking lot. It raised eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, why was that important to Kevin Warren? He had, from his personal experience, he had been a NFL executive at the, for three franchises. Um, the most recent was Minnesota, but he talked about um, the previous job he had um, that involved concerns about player security with the St. Louis Rams during their Super Bowl uh, time with Kurt Warner and, and all the attention and what it was like to be on an NFL uh, in an NFL uh, franchise where all of a sudden, you know, you have celebrities there and you need to worry about uh, personal security and and building security. He said that when he then took the job with the Minnesota Vikings, he was astounded by the lack of security that their old practice facility had um, prior to the one that he uh, helped 
uh, build when he was COO at, with the Vikings. Um, so this was just in his head. He he said he told me he had hired a high level his term a security consultant to sort of do a full audit of the of the security of the Big Ten's offices in Chicago and their satellite office in New York. And this was one of the recommendations. But it's a small example about the kinds of things that he was fixated on, very much in contrast to his predecessor. This is the stuff that would have never really crossed the radar of Jim Delaney, according to my sources, who was really a, a high-level, um, you know, big-picture thinker who was not so concerned with the operational details of the conference. And again, I think this also in some cases reflects the times in which they they operated. I mean, you know, Delaney starts with the Big Ten and in 1990 and college sports and the relationship between the schools and the conferences were, was much different then, particularly with the decline of the NCAA now and how the, the real, you know, ballast of power in college sports was resting with the SEC and the big 10. It's, it's redefining the role, the public role of these, uh, of these people who are in the positions of the commissionerships of those two conferences. And I think they're trying to figure out, they being Greg Sankey and, and Kevin Warren, and, and I suppose the other Power Five uh, commissioners as well. What does that mean? Like, what should I be worrying about? How should I be treating this organization? That again, for you know, for the longest period of time during the expansion of college sports and the uh, enrichment of college football, really was just this, these pass through organizations where not as much was expected of them on any of these fronts. Let me ask you, because, you know, much of your reporting is done probably prior to the announcement of USC and UCLA, uh, you know, yeah. defecting to the Big Ten. Has that move quieted Kevin Warren's critics, or is that to be determined? It certainly quieted the critics. I mean, I'll, I'll, as, a, as a point of perspective here, having been working on this for that period of time, I never heard of, of I didn't hear any of this. Uh, they kept that very tight. Um, I didn't hear about this until uh, until it was tweeted out. Uh, the Friday, I think it was tweeted out. Um, so, yes, I mean, clearly this this already his reputation was going to be rehabilitated by the signing of this of this uh, media rights deal. This was just this incredible feather in his cap, and it's been reported in various outlets, and it was sort of squares with my reporting. This really did come over the transom. This was not Kevin Warren's doing. Um, arguably, if Jim Delaney was in the uh, in the seat or any other any other number of people, they would have also been the recipients of of the good fortune of uh, USC and UCLA um, deciding to abscond the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. The uh, so yeah, but you know, as with everything, you know, it, the people who are in the seats when the good things happen get the credit, and and the vice versa is also true. And so yeah, I think this is. It's hard to find fault with Kevin Warren in this moment. However, I, you know, part of the story is to sort of raise the question of how much of any of this is lucky versus good. Mm. You know, is it that Kevin Warren, um, some of the moves and, and his intuitions that were questioned uh, shouldn't have been questioned because look at where things are at now? Or is it that, you know, circumstances have changed and if, as, as so long as he stayed in the job um, to see through uh, COVID and, and the original impact of the of the first season that was compromised by it, you know, he was going to be the recipient of all these of all these glory that's coming to the conference now. It'll it'll be very interesting in in a year, let's say, when the when the Big Ten's 
uh, next uh, tax returns come out, if that's exactly when this will be captured, um, whether or not uh, Kevin Warren will bonus and to what extent. Jim Delaney got a massive bonus um, when the big ten, from the creation of the Big Ten Network and from the last multimedia rights deal, um, a, a signal that you know he really was responsible uh, for these things happening. Uh, you know, and it'll be interesting to see exactly how the uh, the college presidents of the Big Ten decide to award Kevin Warren. There's, you know, Sports Business Journal reported this, uh, I think, earlier in the week or sometime last week. You know, the chatter, I've heard it as well, um, about uh, whether or not they should re-up Kevin Warren's contract preemptively. I mean, he's due, his, his first contract is due to expire in 2024, um, but obviously, you know, now... Is there pressure on the presidents to uh, to give him a raise and give him an extension um, without his contract having run out? It's crazy. Given um, not, I'm not saying it's crazy as a as an objective standpoint. Just more, it's it's wild to think about uh, given just how uh, beleaguered he was not so long ago. Yeah, and I, I think your piece I think lays that out. It's there's a lot of great nuggets in it. I encourage people to check it out. There's a cameo by uh, former President Trump in the piece, and uh, we mm-hmm. all remember. We all remember. I'm going to play this clip. We remember the president coming out in September after the Big Ten announced that they would play. Just want to congratulate Big Ten. It's going to be great. We're going to love watching that. And again, I want to recommend Pac-12. You're the only one now. Open up. Open up, Pac-12. Get going. Said the same thing to Big Ten, and they did. And now I'm saying it to Pac-12. You have time. You really have time right now. Get going. Now, you you got to the bottom of that claim and that phone call between Kevin Warren and, and President Trump at the time. Just fascinating. How did you come into that, and what was Warren's reaction when he knew you knew about it? Well, it has been, it's been reported. The, the first phone call that transpired between Warren and Trump has been reported before the New York Times Magazine did it actually a very lengthy um, and exhaustive narrative about it. But what I had reported on was a second phone call that, uh, that I do not believe had been previously disclosed. And I also provided just some color about uh, the circumstances in which Warren took this. I mean, Warren really was trying to avoid controversy at that point. He was already besieged by criticisms from his various schools, particularly Nebraska and Ohio State, that were furious with the, the cancellation or the postponement of the season. And then, of course, comes this phone call from a White House staffer alerting him that he, uh, that uh, then-President Donald Trump wanted to uh, speak to him, which Warren really didn't want to do, uh, said he had a conflict. The staffer insisted that the president wanted to uh, speak to him nonetheless. And, and Warren's conflict, incidentally, he was back in Minneapolis at his home there, uh, twice a year, he goes for his executive physical. He's very dutiful about that. He's he's a bit of a health nut and uh, and concerned about his health. And uh, so the, the conflict that was he had his executive physical the next morning, uh, that was no matter. Trump gave him a call. Um, they spoke for 15 minutes. It was fairly unremarkable. And at the end of it, according to Kevin, uh, Trump had asked him whether or not uh, Kevin Warren had any uh, inkling to make news of this phone call to speak about this publicly, and Warren said no. 
Warren then drives off to his executive physical. He's in his doctor's office. He's gowned. He's about to enter this this contraption called a bod pod, which <laughs> precisely measures your uh, body mass index. And uh, his staff is frantically calling the doctor's office, saying they need to get him on the phone immediately because Trump had just tweeted out um, <laughs> the the news, although it wasn't really true that the uh, conversation had been so successful uh, that the return of Big Ten football was at the, quote, one-yard line. And so Warren is, you know, <laughs> wrestled out of his uh, out of his doctor's appointment. He's talked to his staff. He talks to um, this outside PR consultant that the Big Ten had hired and to figure out, do we respond? What do you say? You don't want to incur the wrath of Donald Trump. But at the same time, you know, he had already learned a hard lesson by the way in which they had sort of been a little bit mealy-mouthed uh, originally when they decided to uh, postpone the season. So there's uh, there's more there, including a second phone call. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, this was, to give him his due, this was at one point a very difficult job. And there were friends and supporters and loyalists of him who were openly encouraging him to skedaddle. There was, I, I'd heard, although um, I'd heard this mainly from people who were friends of his, so worth taking with a grain of salt, that there was at least one um, pro sports job, attractive pro sports job that had been tendered to him in the course of this low point. And people were encouraging him to go, that it was not, that this, you know, that being at the Big Ten commissioner was not helpful to him and was uh, more harm than good. Um, so, you know, he stuck with it uh, and, and things cleared up uh, and, and it's a complete 180 now and all is, all is hunky-dory. And now it's just, you know, he's in the position of, of not only being this very powerful commissioner, but given all of the developments that have happened with the Pac-12 and, and, the, uh, and the Big 12, he's now one of the longest tenured commissioners. So his, being, his having no college sports experience is not, a, not only not novel, um, he's right there in the mainstream now. Daniel Libet, Sportico. I tweeted out a link to it. Fantastic work. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. Great stuff from Libet. We'll kick it around, then some and more. Uh, Pac-12 Media Day Friday in Los Angeles. George Klyovkov will get his turn. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Geeking out on Kevin Warren in that last segment. Literally. Good stuff from Daniel Levitt of Sportico. Uh, Judah Newby, good to, uh, good to have you around, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, great, John. What's up? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Let's talk Kevin Warren. Let's talk George Klyovkov. You just heard Libet talk about the Big Ten commissioner. Uh, you know, we're all listening to this. Steve and Sean, you can join in as well, that – you know, we're listening to him talk about, you know, the, the landscape of football and commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. Now you have George Klyovkov on Friday who will get his opportunity to kind of give a state of the union and answer some questions. But, you know, what do you make of all this? I'm not a Kevin Warren fan anymore. <laughs> I probably put that on the record a couple weeks ago. Um, I just think he, you know, it's so hypocritical. But I'm a Pac-12 fan, and he's the leader of a Big Ten Conference that just poached a couple, you know, prime Pac-12 universities. Um, 
I thought that was interesting what, what Daniel Libet shared, though, about commissionerships in general and Warren in particular. How much credit does he deserve for this? I mean, what did he really do? Frankly, from my vantage point, he just happens to be the commissioner at a time where USC and UCLA were going to leave for more money anyway. Give him credit for that? Hell no. No, he's just filling the seat at the right time. He's way more lucky than good, so good for him, I guess. But he's do- he's done the Pac-12 dirty. He did George K. dirty at a time where he went out of his way to form an alliance with the guy. Like, get out of here with standing on your personal high horse, saying how your parents raised you right, Kevin. I mean, this is just, it's professional garbage, and uh, I shouldn't be surprised, but it gets me fired up anyway. It's just not right. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, on one hand, the the kinds of things that make you good at conference commissioner may not make you likable. Like, you know, I just think there's some element to Roger Goodell, Kevin Warren, uh, attorney by by, you know, he's a trained and educated attorney who is working in a job, you know, I don't like what he did. But the Big Ten fans are awfully happy with him right now, and they're the same Big Ten fans that were calling for his head when he had strong views about not playing football during the onset of COVID. And and he's he's got some weird sort of practices around the offices. Like, you know, he uses a portal <laughs> that, that, you know, people exchange documents and information in a secure portal that the – you know, the public universities, like, you know, some of the universities in the Big Ten Conference have all been encouraged to use, and they kind of got caught, you know, as one of the presidents, you know, was making a comment about, hey, let's let's use the portal so we don't have to have all this information go through public records. Uh, I think it's in part how they kept the USC-UCLA thing under wraps. I'm I'm told by someone at UCLA, that they went to great lengths to, to ensure secrecy. Um, it, it, I don't like Kevin Warren. I don't want to root for Kevin Warren. I, I want to root for them at the Big Ten Conference even more than you know, I want to root for the Yankees like or U.S. Steel. Like I, you can root against those teams. But uh, here he is, and he's sitting pretty, and you're right. He just happens to be the commissioner of record, but he, he's going to get credit for it. And the, the bonus stuff that – the, the guest was talking about as well. How does that work again? Like, the, with the tax forms coming due this time next year, like, did Kevin Warren just set himself up for a big, nice, fat payday? Because a lot Likely, of this, yeah. a lot of this language, a lot of this language reminds me of Larry Scott. And, obviously, there was a certain point where we applauded Larry for the media deal at the very beginning. And it ultimately was the thing we all hated him for professionally by the end, among other things. I mean, you wrote extensively about Larry, the way he handled himself, the culture he tried to promote in the Pac-12 buildings. Hell, the Pac-12 buildings themselves (laughs) in downtown San Francisco. I don't know. I didn't know a lot of the personal side of Kevin Warren until your interview with uh, Daniel Libet just now. But I just came away feeling like, I, ho- I hope he doesn't get a lot of credit for this USC-UCLA move because I'm not – I frankly don't know – you know, I fr- anybody could have done it. Jim Delaney could have done it if he was still there. I don't think he would have gone about it the same way, but, you know, I'm not sure – I think we overinflate the commissionership importance in general, and with Kevin Warren in particular, I just don't think he should get that much credit for this. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, time will tell. But it feels like he got a, um, you know, he got a stay of execution, so to speak, as, you know, a lot of the Big Ten members were lining up going, this guy's not working for us, this isn't working for us, and then in the end, 
Kevin Warren got UCLA and USC, and here we go. What do we want to hear from George Klyovkov on Friday? Let's go around the room. What do you want to hear? I want to know if he's talked to Kevin Warren selfishly. <laughs> um, I was, that's what I was going to ask you. Is like, what are you thinking about asking him? And one yeah. of them is that side, but you know, he'll probably dismiss it. But I want to know if they've communicated in any way, in any way, text message, phone call, whatever. Mm. Just yeah, any type of communication between you and Kevin Warren. Do you want that question asked while Klyovkov is on the stage in front of everybody, or do I wait and hold that question for our one-on-one radio interview, which will air right here on this show Friday? Um, the latter, but I'd be surprised if nobody asked it at the press conference. Um, but if no one does, I would just hold it. <laughs> yeah, I'd hold it for us, for the exclusive. But, you know, I feel like people are going to ask him that at some point. Whether or not he takes the high ground is interesting because I feel like mm, I he's, don't think he will. He, why not? He's got some scrapper in him. He does. He like feels that way. Klyovkov, right? Yeah, I've I've watched him in media settings where he could take the high road if he you know you got to know his background too because you know his his parents essentially came to the United States with nothing. He is a second generation American and they immigrated here. They met in New York and. I there's a little bit of a there's a scrapper in in George Klyovkov. He'll, he's not afraid to roll his sleeves up and throw a punch. And I think he will throw a punch Friday. Man, I can't wait for that. And then secondarily, I just whatever he can share about the status of the media negotiations because the window closes next Wednesday, correct? Yeah. The third right. or the fourth? Yeah, the fourth. And yep. here comes media day on Friday. Like, are we going to get concrete news before Friday on this? And if not, then where does it stand? And and when can we expect resolution? I mean, it was really good to hear Stuart Mandel with you yesterday, and, and he seemed to suggest that it's going to be a few more weeks, a few more months before we find final resolution. Yeah, with this. ultimate resolution. Yeah, because you want the market to weigh in. You want Fox and ESPN to have first crack in this negotiating period, but to get the best deal, you want you want to put the your rights out to the open market. But I feel like on Friday, Klyovkov's got to sell something. Yes. He's got to be able to come forth and go, look, we have secured – fill in the blank you know we have secured a tier one rights deal we're going to shop around but we feel like you know and and i do have several conference athletic directors one in particular saying gave me the quote george is kicking ass like that was very early in this process let's see where where he's at now uh, i want to grab a phone call and uh we'll we'll take more of your input uh we'll go around the room a little bit with steven and sean but Mike in Portland is, wants to weigh in on George Klyovkov. Go ahead, Mike. So, John, first of all, man, um, you know, I'm surprised that you guys are hating on the, uh, the guy in the Big Ten because when he was speaking, he made an indictment on the Ducks when he talked about all the coaches in the Big Ten show came back to work. Mm-hmm. That right there was basically calling the Ducks out because they can't keep a coach. But you guys missed that. Also, John, there's two types of people out here. There's people that act, and there's people that react. George Klikoff, whatever you, however you pronounce his name, he can't do nothing but react. He's not an actor. So he's not going to do anything that's going to improve the position of the Pac-12. He can't do that. So, John, I'm just calling you out, man, because you're hating on, on, the, on the guy in the Big Ten, man, mm-hmm. because – 
Because what he's doing, man, is show, is teaching you guys. He's yeah. running. The- what is he teaching? He's 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 ruining college football. He's stripping away geography and tradition. He's saying, you know, I'm going to take this team and that team. And and my indictment of him was, look, he said we kept all of our coaches. He's preaching loyalty, right? At the same time, he's stabbing the guy he had an alliance with in the back. John, John, let me just say this before I go, man. And this is something you can teach your kids. The only thing constant in life is a change. Nothing stays the same. You got to learn that, man. Mm. Talk to you. All right. Appreciate you. I don't know. I watched Dick Clark on TV for like 40 years. He didn't seem to change. <laughs> Leave it here. You got the BFT statewide. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.